Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Here in Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 1, John the Baptist in those days came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the Baptist is being used of the Lord fulfilling prophecy here, declaring we need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So many people have a misunderstanding of what real repentance is. Repentance should be a lifestyle. It's not about coming to the altar and telling everybody, you know, all the wrong things you did the week before and how sorry you are and crying. And even though godly sorrow does lead a man to repentance, and I'm not dis. Uh, uh, um, you know, crediting crying or anything or your emotions or anything, but it's not really about that. The word repentance means to return to. The R-E means to return to, and pent means the best, returning back to God. That's what it means. And, you know, some scholars say, well, you know, it means a change of life. Well, I want to share something with you. Go with me to uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And let's just see what the, new, the, the first church said about repentance. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And it says here, repent, therefore, and be, be converted. So if I'm right about my definition of repent, so it tells me that if I return to God, what's going to happen? There's probably going to be a conversion, don't you think? There's going to be a change of life. Isn't that what's going to happen? I'm going to turn away from whatever has been distracting me. So I'm turning away from. I'm coming to God as a result of getting to the presence of God. Then God can change me. You know, we make it so difficult. And it was difficult for me when I first got saved because one reason why I struggled getting saved or living for God was because I knew that I had ways of the world during that time. And I thought, you know, I'm not living for God. I need to change my ways before I can serve God. That's not God's way. God's way is come to me and I'll do the changing. You know, because when he changes you, it's permanent. You know, when he changes you, it's real. You know, uh, we have a mutual friend, the family that's up here, a mutual friend of ours, and he was on drugs and did something like a four or $600 a day cocaine habit. And, uh, you know, he heard uh, R.W. Schambach on the radio. And uh, he put his head up on the steel, uh, 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 steering wheel of his car and just said, God, you can have my life if you can do something with it. And the next day he was completely delivered. You know, that's a conversion. Okay, that's a conversion. So that's what it says when we repent. God will do the converting. And your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from what? The presence of God. So if you were going to go to England and see now the new king of England, you would go into his presence. Isn't that right? And you know, there's a protocol to be able to see him. You have to enter into his kingdom first. Good chance you probably won't meet the king of England here in America. Doesn't mean he doesn't come here. Doesn't mean you can't. But if you want to meet you know, and get to know the king, to get to know the royalty. You have to go over to his kingdom in order for you to meet with the king. And we know that Jesus is our king, and he has set up 
his kingdom. And so we have to pursue him so that we can experience not only knowing him and meeting him, but we have to pursue him in order that we may enter into his kingdom. And so I'm going to be teaching a series on what is the kingdom of God. And wherever you see the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, they pretty much parallel the same thing. They almost always mean the same thing. Once in a while it doesn't, but most of the time it means the same thing. So after Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, after he was tempted, well, before he was tempted, what did Satan do? He said, if you'll worship me, all these kingdoms will be given to you. Well, what the devil didn't know was that Jesus was already Lord over all those kingdoms. You know, but it was, isn't this ironic that after he was tempted to be given all the kingdoms, then after he overcame that temptation, what did he say? He said the same thing John the Baptist said, repent, come to God, return to God, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, if something's at hand, what does that mean? That means it's available to you. Isn't that what it means? And so when Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. That's so important to understand the kingdom of God. And what about flesh and blood that revealed this to you? But my father, which is in heaven, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the church that God's building is building today is upon your revelation of knowing who God is. You know, it always befoos me when somebody says, well, this is what I think about the Bible, or this is what I think God is, and this is what I think we ought to do. And they don't even never, ever even picked up the Bible to find out what God's Word said. You know, isn't that something that there are so many experts on the Bible who don't even know how to spell Bible? Bless their hearts. They're probably educated in government schools. But nevertheless... <laughs> We'll move on from there. Nevertheless, you know, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so when he told Peter, he said, you know, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven on this rock, I'll build my church. What's, the, what's he building his church on? The knowledge of the word of God or the revelation of the word of God. And he said, I give to you the keys to the kingdom of what? Come on, help me. Heaven, isn't that right? The kingdoms of God. So what is keys? And doesn't that go along with what he just said here in Matthew 4, 17? Repent for the kingdom of God is what? At hand. And so keys give you what? Access, or it means the kingdom of God is at hand. He also said the same thing in Matthew 10, 17. He said, repent for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, if it's at hand, then it must mean that it's available for us. It's available for you and for me to be able to enter into this kingdom. Now we understand when Jesus said, no man can come through the Father except through me. For I am the door to God, I am the door to the King, and I am the door, I am the way to the kingdom of God. And that's why when Nicodemus said in John 3, he said, you know, hey, what must I do to have eternal life? Well, let's just go there, John, John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees, starting with verse 1, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that, uh, that you do unless God is with you. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is what's so interesting, and, and I love taking time to study and look at all this, but, you know, certain words just jump out at me, I guess maybe a little differently than other people, but the word that jumped out at me at this particular time on this scripture was cannot see. What does it mean to see? Well, it not only means to be able to see the manifestation of the kingdom of God, but also means also to perceive, to understand. To experience is another word for that word see in the Greek. It means to experience the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't know about you, but I enjoy knowing that I can have a relationship with God Knowing that not any second from now, he's going to condemn me, hit me with lightning, strike me with something because I'm not good enough. In fact, I found out he made me good enough. In this kingdom, I've been welcomed in this kingdom because Jesus is the door or the way through his shed blood. I've been made righteous and I have been given an invitation into the kingdom of God anytime I want to go. Now, there are certain events we go to, and every so often somebody will give us a special invitation, say, you're invited to this dinner, or you're invited here, or you're invited there. Well, I can go because I have an invitation. Well, I want to let you know that through Jesus, I have an invitation to go and experience the kingdom of God all day long and get into the presence of God. So let's go back to John. Are we doing okay this morning? So Nicodemus said, well, how can I do this? How can I be born a second time? And Jesus said, most assuredly I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot, now look at this. First was see, second is enter. Enter. To partake. So now, you know, if you're a citizen of a nation, you get certain rights of that particular nation, don't you? Well, as, a, as an American, if you're a citizen of, a, of the United States of America, you have certain rights that you are protected by, okay? Well, don't you have those same certain rights as a child of God because you've inherited the kingdom of God? Now we understand what Jesus meant in John 1.12 when he said, as many has received him, he gave them the authority or the right to be called the sons of God. In other words, if you're a son of God, don't you have a right to enter into his kingdom? And so my wife did a beautiful job, you know, inviting our family, you know, and it's wonderful. And, I, you know, you might think I'm going to get on a rabbit, tra- uh, a, a rabbit trail here, but I'm not. You know, the first friend I met was Kristen's dad, Phil. He was my first friend there at Calvary Cathedral. I don't know why he liked me, but he did. We had this big auction one year, and one day he and I moved five pianos. I think he dropped one on me, but I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it was a, that was a heck of a day. Everybody wanted to donate pianos that day. But anyway, so, no, we've been friends. We, we were friends before Kristen was ever born. And so we've been friends all these years, you know. And so I, I thought it was pretty cool because I was friends with the pastor's son-in-law. I thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, Kristen came into this world, and then, you know, the rest of the story, you know, they grew up, and um, so we moved here, and Kristen and Jason got married. So they all come to the house. And so when Phil and Susan comes, you know, they come into 
my kingdom. And Phil says, you know, can, can I get some coffee? Phil, you're a part of the family. You don't have to ask. Just help yourself. Does that make sense? Now, they can do that, but you can't. But they're family. You see what I'm saying? You know, and you say, well, that's normal. Well, aren't you a part of the family of God? Amen. Well, can't you go into his, his kingdom? You know, and what is in that kingdom? Righteousness. In other words, you're in right standing with God. What well, means more than just being right standing with God? Because a lot of Christians have a hard time receiving from the Lord because they don't feel like they're good enough. Well, I have news for you. You're not good enough. And I'm not good enough. You can't pray to be good enough. You can't read the word of God to be good enough. You know, you, you can't give enough offerings. I wish you would try, but you can't get enough offerings <laughs> to be good enough. You know, but... Jesus made you good enough. Amen. What's it say in 2 Corinthians 5.21? He made him. God made Jesus to become sin in order that you may become the righteousness of God. In other words, you're in right standing with him. Well, then John 1.12 says, as many as received him, he gave them the right. The King James says power, but translated it means the right or the privilege to be the sons of God. So now you have rights. Just like this family, they show up, they have rights. They come in my house, you know, because I gave them that right. You know, help yourself. Whatever's here, you can have. Well, almost whatever's here. There's a couple things that I, anyway, we won't go down there. Don't get me talking about my ice cream again now, okay? <laughs> anyway, and so you have that same right. You have this inheritance that has been given to you that you can experience heaven on earth. You know, what's the perfect prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God want, This is the kingdom of God so that you can experience heaven on earth. Oh, someday when I die, well, you know what? I don't know who it's going to witness to when I'm dead and I have this great mansion in heaven because they don't get to see it. But when they see the blessing of God on my life, they see the favor of God on my life. How is it, Tom, that, you know, seems like everything that you do seems to, everything seems to go your way. You must be living right. Oh, what a great entrance to a witness. Not only am I living right, but the one I'm serving made me right. He put me in right standing. Glory to God. So that's the kingdom of God is being right standing with God. Isn't that wonderful? You ever have somebody do, you ever do something for somebody and say, oh, you don't have to do that? This just happened to me just this last week. I talked about it in my message. It's how I did something for somebody and said, oh, you don't have to do that. You're right. I don't have to do that. You don't deserve it. You know, Jason deserves absolutely nothing from me. <laughs> the Bible says, you know, leave your mother and father and cleave unto his wife. He's gone. He deserves nothing from me. But I give him things anyway. You know why? Because my wife makes me. <laughs> no, I do it because I love him. <laughs> you know, so this is, this is what the kingdom of God's about. God wants to give you things because he loves you. He's not trying to hold back from you. He's created this kingdom 
so that you can operate here on earth as it is in heaven. That's his plan for your life. And so when, so when, when it says that it's righteousness, but then it's also peace. What is peace? Boy, that's that place where there's no kids. And you have your favorite Starbucks drink or whatever drink you like to drink next to you. And there's nothing going on and everything seems to be all right. No, peace is being complete, full and whole. You ever, you ever, you ever feel that sometimes you're just not worthy or don't have good value or have low self-esteem? That's the lack of peace. What causes that? Not thinking the right things. It says in Philippians 4, it says, you know, if you dwell on these things which are true and pure and honest and a good report and things that empower you and strengthen you and give you good self-esteem, then the completion or the fullness of God will guard your heart. So what is the number one thing that hinders us from being able to receive that peace, and that is predominantly what we're thinking about. But Jesus said this. He said, I want you to experience in the kingdom of God being complete and being whole. You know, I'm still working at that in my own soul. My spirit's there, but my soul, I'm still working on the fact that, you know, I'm really all right with God. You know, God starts singing like the Doobie Brothers whenever I get in his presence. He says, you're all right with me. You're still all right with me. Oh, you know it was good. Come on. So that song, Jesus is still all right with me. Anyway, all right. Okay, we'll move on. You didn't like it, but that's all right. And then joy. You know, Jesus said, my joy I leave with you that your joy might be full. Amen. You know, God wants you to be happy. Tell your neighbor, be happy. Tell your other neighbor, let your face show it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Be happy. Have a little joy. You know, joy, joy, joy is a, it, it's a testimony of the goodness of God. Years ago when I was working for Jerry Savelle, I used to have to go downtown a post office and pick up the mail. And I always went a half hour early to get the mail and I remember walking in that big old post office, you know, and the acoustics were just terrible. And I was just whistling and praising the Lord and everything all up and down the corridors of that place, you know. And somebody said, well, why are you so happy? What an opening to lead them to the Lord. Tell them about the goodness of God because God's so good to me. You know, the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy, sh mercy shall follow me on on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays? It doesn't? Well, then what's there to be unhappy about? Man, I get sandwiched with God's blessing, and then I got mercy and goodness following me all the days of my life on top of it. Man, I can't lose for winning. I must be in the right kingdom, kingdom of God. And so this is what it is. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so when he was telling, talking to Nicodemus here, you thought I lost my track, didn't you? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say, unless one's born again of water and the spirit, he cannot enter. So how do we enter in this kingdom? Jesus is the door. 
Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, he said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You know, I appreciate some of the, you know, love maybe that some of their philosophies have. But, you know, Buddha didn't say he was the way. Muhammad didn't say he was the life. Harry Krishna didn't say he was the truth. In fact, all of them were seeking truth. And there's only one way you can find truth, and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one who said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. But he also went on to say, no man can see God or enter into God or come to God unless he comes through me. And that's in John 10, uh, chapter 10. There. So he went on and says, the wind blows, or do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and when you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and wherever it goes. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, if you're born of the Spirit, you're going to be led by the Spirit of God. And Romans tells us those who are led by the Spirit of God indeed are the sons of God. There you go again. It's just compounding the fact that you're a part of his family. And if you're a part of his family, you, you have the privilege to enter into his kingdom. Are we doing okay this morning? And so when Moses was writing the law, one of the things Moses said was this. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he said, If you'll listen diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, all these things will come upon you and overtake you. So this is not really a new concept. In other words, God's saying, you know, if you'll put me first, and what does it say in Matthew 6, 33? Seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added, shall be what? Added on to you. Well, what are those things? I'm so glad you asked that question. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start here in verse 25. Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Well, when you're, you know, one of the things about Solomon was this. You know, he prayed, he had this, this, this dream and the Lord showed up to him and said, what do you want? And Solomon basically said, he said, Lord, I don't know how to take care of all these people that you've put me king over. He was a king over what? The kingdom of Israel, right? He felt as the king, he had the responsibility to take care of these citizens, and he didn't say, now, God, I need more money to take care of them, you know, or I need more, you know, influence. He said, I need wisdom. And God said, because you didn't ask for wisdom or you didn't ask for wealth and you didn't ask for other things. And he said, I'm going to give you this wisdom and it's going to elevate you. Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And so again, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so when you're in the kingdom of God, you shouldn't be concerned about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, because it's already provided in the kingdom. Just like, you know, the family coming, there are things that are already provided there for them. You know, they tease me because some of the things that we have in our pantry say used by a certain date. And I have used it by that certain date, but I'm going to continue to use it. Anyway, that's a family joke. You'll... All right, we'll move on. All right, my wife said thank you. You're meddling, not preaching. All right, so don't worry about what you'll, you'll eat or what you'll drink. Uh, it's not about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He said, look at the birds of the air. In other words, he said, don't be worrying about these things. Well, let's move on down. And he said this in verse 33. He said, but sink first. 
the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. What will be added? And that word add means to increase. Hmm? How about a new wardrobe? Hmm? That'll increase. New shoes, purses that go with it, jewelry, all those things. Well, I thought the women would really give me a better amen on that. Cargo pants, shoes, hiking boots. All right. So you don't have to worry about what you're going to, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Isn't that what life is? It, don't we need these things? But where do they come from? Seeking God first. That's why Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, according to his divine power. Whose divine power? His divine power. Where is that divine power? In the kingdom of God. He's given you all things. Say all things. He has given you all things. Say all things. He has given you. He has given you that pertain to life and godliness. So he's already given it to you. All right, so by faith, when you enter that kingdom of God, you can start expecting, because that's what hope is. And faith is the substance of things, what, hoped for, or that you're expecting, and the evidence of things not seen. So as you enter into the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be increased in your life. God will add it to you. That's God's plan for your life. He wants you to experience his kingdom here on this earth. And so this is what, what Jesus was saying to, to, to Nicodemus. He said, unless you're born again, you can't perceive this. Why is that? Because Luke 17 chapter, Luke chapter 17 verse 21 says, the kingdom of God is within. So if we're a new creature in Christ Jesus, doesn't it say, therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new what? Creature. Old things have passed away. All things become new again. Or if we're a new creature, that means that he put his spirit in us. And if his spirit is in us, that means his kingdom is in us. That's why the Bible says, I've written my laws upon your heart. We don't have to follow the law of the Old Testament if we're led by the spirit of God. And when Jesus was approached by one of the teachers and they said, well, tell me which one are the most important laws. He said, well, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, upon these two, two uh, commandments I give you, you fulfill all the laws and all the prophets. Well, think about it for just a minute. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, there's not a problem. But if you love your neighbor as yourself, will you steal your neighbor's lawnmower? No. Will you do harm to other people? No. Well, that teacher, when he said, I want to justify, wanted to justify himself, what did he say? He said, well, who's my neighbor? He said, basically, anybody has need. In other words, if you go out helping meeting the needs of other people, you know what? You're fulfilling the law. Well, how can you meet the needs of other people if God doesn't meet your needs? And where's God going to meet your needs? In his kingdom. And when you seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be what? You shall increase. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 28 in the Message Bible says it like this. If you listen diligently or obediently to the voice of God, your God, and heartedly obey all his commandments that I command you today, God, your God, will place you on high, high above all nations of the world, and all these blessings will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you have responded to the voice of the Lord your God. 
And so when we respond to seeking God first, then what happens? The kingdom of God comes in our lives. Go with me to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse, I'm going to start with Matthew 13, but then I'm going to move over to Mark 4 because they're basically the same parable here. Matthew 13, and then I'll move back over to Mark 4 here in just a minute. Starting with verse 10 through 11. And when the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak in parables? He answered and said to him, Because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. So who is he referring to? He's referring to those who have entered in through him who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been given to you. What, what, what are these mysteries that he's, been, he's referring to? The Message Bible says it like this. You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insight and the understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create a readiness to nudge the people towards a welcome awakening. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again where Isaiah said, with their lips they honor me, and but their hearts are far away from me. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm giving you these parables because you, you should understand them. Now go with me to Mark 4, and I'm going to read out of the... Amplified Bible. Starting here in verse 1, and again, Jesus began to teach beside the lake, and a very great crowd gathered about him so that he got into a ship in order to sit in on the sea, and the whole crowd was at the lakeside on the shore. He taught them many things in parables to explain to them, and his teachings, he said to them, give attention to this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, I believe this is one of the most important parables that Jesus taught us here. A sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed of the same kind, say same kind, fell on ground full of rocks where it had not much soil, and once it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun came up, it was scorched, and because it had not taken root, it withered away. Other seed of the same kind, say same kind, same kind, fell among thorns, plants, and thistles, grew and pressed together, and utterly choked and suffocated, and it yielded no grain. And other seed of the same kind, say same kind, fell into good, well-adapted soil. This fourth seed, or this fourth soil that fell into was good, well-adapted soil, and brought forth grain, growing up, increasing, and yielding up to 30 times as much, 60 times as much, 
and even a hundred times as much as what had been sown. And he said to them, he who has ears or he who is listening or he who wants to respond to this message, let him be hearing and let him consider and comprehend. And as soon as he was alone, those who were around him with the 12 apostles began to ask him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. Right here is the mystery of the kingdom of God. What's so mysterious about it? He's telling us. This is the mystery of the kingdom of God right here. So I want to know what it is. I want to know what that mystery is. I like to learn things. I like to figure out things. I like to know how things work. Where did that come from? How did that work? What made that happen? I like those kind of things. So to you has been entrusted that the secret counsel of God, which are hidden from the ungodly, but for those outside of our circle, everything becomes a parable. In order that they may indeed look and look but not see, perceive and may hear and hear but not grasp and comprehend. Lest happily they should turn again, that's repentance, turn again, come back to God, and that their willful rejection of truth should be forgiven them. And he said, do you not understand and discern uh, this parable? How then is it you're going to understand all the parables? That's why I think this is an important parable to understand. The sower sows the word. What did Peter say about the word? It's an incorruptible seed. Why did I have you say the same kind? Why is it that some people seem to prosper more in their walk with God than other people? Maybe it could be it's because they took and made themselves good soil, well-adapted soil, for the seed to produce. Maybe that's why. Maybe they worked on themselves to receive the word. Hello, somebody. We ready to dismiss service now. Maybe they said, you know, hey, God, change me so that I can receive what you have. God, I want all that you have for me, but you got to make me be all that you want me to be so I can have all that you want for me. If you want me to repeat it again, get the tape. The ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts. Then they say the same kind of seed, the word, same word. Don't we all hear the same word? Okay, we're all hearing the same word, sown in our hearts. And when they hear, Satan comes once at once by force and takes away the message which is sown. Let's stop right there. How many of you heard the scripture, the kingdom of God suffered violence, but the violent taken by force? Oh, what does that really mean? That means, you know what, you're going to hear the word, but you know what, you're going to have to take an aggressive, defensive, uh, military stand to keep that word on the inside of you. Because I can promise you that once you hear the word of God, the enemy comes immediately to try to snatch it from you. Why? Because he doesn't want the word of God to manifest in your life. He doesn't want you to be a witness. When, does the, when, when are you the greatest witness? When the word of God's manifesting in your life. That's a testimony of God's goodness. And so now we understand the kingdom of God suffered violence. What are we talking about? Kingdom of God. But the violent taken by force. In other words, you've got to take a militant stand to say, I heard the word of God and I'm not letting it go. Amen. And in the same way, verse 16, 
the ones sown upon stony ground, are those who, when they hear the word of God, wasn't the same kind of seed, same word, at once received it and, and accepted it and welcomed it with joy. Boy, that's a, man, God wants me healed. Glory to God. God wants me healed. Glory to God. Let's go to the tavern and let's have a drink over it. <coughs> well, I'm not saying that you're going to go to hell if you go to the tavern and have a drink. But I'm telling you that you put yourself in the wrong environment for that seed to manifest. Amen. You know, there are certain things that won't manifest or won't grow here in Missouri. You know, no matter how hard you try, you'll never grow a citrus orchard. You'll never have lemons. You'll never have oranges. Well, they sell them at the hardware store, Pastor. I know that, but you've got to bring them in the house during the wintertime. They won't grow naturally. Why? Because the environment won't allow them to grow. Well, you know, there are some things that won't manifest in our lives if we're in the wrong environment. That's why the Bible says without holiness, you cannot see God. But God made you holy. He cleans you up once. All you got to do is just stay clean. Be like if you brought me your car and it was filthy, dirty, and had McDonald's trash bags in the back and, you know, all kinds of French fries and stuff like that. And I took it and cleaned it all up, polished it, made it look like showroom new. Said, Pastor, wow, look what you did in my car. This is wonderful. What can I do for you? Just don't dirty it up again. If it gets dirty, clean it up. You know, don't throw all your McDonald's trash bags in the back seat. Throw it in the trash can. Keep it up. When it gets dirty, take it to the car wash. It's a lot easier to keep it maintained than have to maintain it after it has not been maintained. These are kingdom of God principles. The same with your life. It's a lot easier to maintain it than have to, have to you know, go back and just start all over again. And this is what he's saying here. Same way on the ones are sown stony ground. They receive, man, they're happy about it. But you know what? They didn't do anything about it. Well, it's a good word. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Oh, it's a good word. Are you going to go home and meditate on it? Are you going home and share it and think about it and see how I can get this word to operate more in my life? And it says, and they have no real root in themselves. In other words, they haven't let the word of God get deep down inside them and start producing what the, what the word wants to produce. So they have no root in themselves. So they endure for a little while. And when trouble and persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended and become displeased, indignant, resentful, stumble, and fall away. And we're living in a culture where everybody's a victim. You know, everybody's a victim. Oh, my gosh. My kindergarten teacher didn't smile at me on Tuesday on, on, you know, October the 15th, and I have been troubled ever since. You know, that terrible kindergarten teacher. You know, I didn't get picked for the Little League baseball team. I'm telling you, I'm a victim. Everybody wants to be a victim. Why? Because when you're a victim, you can make, make excuses for not being an overcomer. But Romans chapter 1 says we are without excuse. Amen. Pastor, shut the service down now. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Am I doing okay this morning? So they have no real root, and on account of the word, they immediately fell. Verse 18, and the ones sown among the thorns are the ones who hear the word 
than the cares, anxiety of the world, and distractions of the age, and the pleasure and delight and false glamour deceitful of riches and craving and passionate desire for other things creep in, choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. If we're not careful, you know, the things of the world can distract us from what God has for us. But these are ones sown on good soil. Say good soil. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. The ones who hear the word, so you hear it, then you receive it. When you receive it, whose is it? It's yours. When you receive it, it starts becoming who you are. This is the mystery of the kingdom of God. When you, receive, when, when you see that, that, that healing is the children's bread, you say, I'm, I, that's me, I'm one of his children. That's mine. That's for me. Glory to God. That's me. Whenever you know God does something special for you, you know, you should always thank God. That's the favor of God. That's God's favor working on my life. You should rejoice in what he's doing so you can receive it. When you hear a promise, you say, that's my promise. If you need to write it down and put it on a posting note and put it on your mirror in your bathroom and see it every day and say, that's mine, then you claim it. This is who I am. That's what it means. These are those who hear it and receive it and accept, accept it and welcome it and bear fruit. Some 30 times as much, some as sown, some 60 times as much, some even 100 times as much. And so Jesus is just beginning in Mark chapter 4 just to talk about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And what is the mystery? And that is that the word of God is an incorruptible seed. And that's why he said, he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing. Not just heard, but be hearing. It's not good enough just to hear that by his stripes you're healed. It's not just good enough to, to hear that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. It's not good enough just to hear you're more than a conquer and overcomer in this life. You need to keep on hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. How many of you gardeners this year have planted a new garden this year? Yeah? You're not going to get any, any vegetables from your garden from last year? How come? It's gone. Well, doesn't that make sense with the Word of God? You've heard it. But it's come and gone. You need to hear it again and hear it again and hear it again because faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And that's why he said, when he who has ears, let him continue to be hearing this good news or stay in the kingdom of God. Stay in that place where you're hearing the word of God. So why? Because as you're seeking first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. All of these things shall be added on to you. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.